With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they are two days away from the first appearance of a new offensive coordinator, maybe a new day and age for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. We got to talk to Eddie Faulkner yesterday for the first time since taking over, replacing the fired Matt Canada. He had plenty to say about his plans to change the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, how he's going to add some juice and hopefully bring some light to a struggling group. Meanwhile, there's an inside linebacker that is on the free agency market officially that the Pittsburgh Steelers maybe should consider going out and trying to sign. They have odds on favorites to do so. We'll dive into that. And then as always, our keys to victory for week 12 as the Pittsburgh Steelers prepare for the Cincinnati Bengals, a Joe Burrowless Cincinnati Bengals. It is a beautiful post Thanksgiving day here in the city of Pittsburgh. I hope everybody's Thanksgiving was great and filled with uh, plenty of great food and some good football. How are you feeling, my friend? I feel good. Yeah, I feel still a little full from, from yesterday. Uh, my. <laughs> My family, we eat generally pretty late, so that stuff stays in you well into the next day. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't pass easily, so um, I'm still still dealing with the residual effects of, of my meal yesterday. What what's late? What time you guys eat? Um, well, like I mean, I feel like everyone eats around like three on Thanksgiving, but we yeah. like we eat like traditional dinner hour. Like I think we ate at seven or something last night. Seven thirty. Seven's late. Yeah, you really have no time to digest. Do you go seconds? You go. You got time for seconds at a seven o'clock dinner? No, not really. We just go straight into dessert, really. And yeah. Then we, sa- we save all the leftovers for the next day. So. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's not. We we eat around like five. I feel like typical, like three yeah, to five is like good. normal time. Yeah. Get to digest. Go plate number two. As you're like trying to like, I was like, you caught me yesterday, like laying on the couch, like <laughs> just a to go container of food on my chest, and I was just like eating like this. It was a great time. And then you go uh, straight dessert for the next day. Um, but that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty, uh, like a pretty great time for everybody who didn't see, uh, Mike Tomlin held some, uh, Georgia Bulldogs and pretty much everybody else at his house. I can only imagine what do you, how many turkeys do you think you need to feed half a football team? If you're, if you're Mike Tomlin, oh my God. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, so we had one for, for five people in my house last night. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're feeding what, like 25 NFL, 25, football 300 pound men. Yeah. You gotta have ten, like at least, right? Like that—that <laughs> that seems conservative, right? Like, yeah, 
No, it's it's an entire. I'm sure Mike Tomlin's kitchen is ginormous, but I would imagine that it's just a it's just a counter full of turkeys and then another counter full of just sides that are all gone. I would not imagine there's much food like chilling afterwards when like Isaac Siamalu and James Daniels or whoever else like Broderick Jones comes stumbling in. Darnell Washington's like three humans in one. Right, and they're definitely taking some home. You know, like they're not leaving anything. They're not leaving anything there. No, could you imagine if they did? Could you imagine if you just like went to clean up afterwards and you were just like, all right, well, we fed 25 NFL players and they left us with four full turkeys and a, the entire plate of mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah, I could only imagine. But shout out to the Tomlins because, I mean, I'm sure that, that uh, that's, a, that's a day of cooking. It's a good day of cooking. What's oh, yeah. your, uh, before we dive into the to some football here, what's your favorite Thanksgiving meal side? What, what you going with here? That's a good question. Uh, it's probably got to be mashed potatoes, honestly. I feel like I yeah. don't eat mashed potatoes very often. And so when I do get them, I do get them like homemade too. Oh, they're yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. Loads of butter up in them. You mix them up. Ooh, yeah, that's my favorite. Mashed yeah. potatoes probably. Mashed potatoes uh, do slap. I'm a, I, I just discovered this out in you know my fiance's family cooks. And they do like a cornbread casserole. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, okay. unreal. Never heard of it, but it is my. I, I I literally sit there afterwards with just a plate of this and just go ham. It's uh, it's good stuff. Mashed potatoes was always number one for me. That's just like, that's the classic go to with some uh, with some turkey, some gravy, and some butter. I feel you. I feel you. All right, let's dive into some Pittsburgh Steelers football. Eddie Faulkner talked for the first time yesterday, introducing himself as the uh, interim offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Had plenty to say, you know, about what his expectations are how he plans to utilize this offense and, and find some tweaks to make improvements started off by you know kind of giving a little shout out to Matt Canada and saying that he and everybody else on the offensive staff kind of feels like they let him down shared his love for the guy and how you know he's friends their wives are friends everybody hopes the best for him I thought that was a great way to start things off and then he dove into how he plans to actually change things he had two uh really good quotes about you know, what he does plan to change. This is the first one. Quote, I'm a real detailed guy. Um, That's how I operate. That's how I have to operate. And that's how I operate in the running back room. So that's how I'm going to operate anything that has to do with the offense or with our staff to make sure we're squeezing down, we're tightening it up, we're closing all the spaces. So we go into a game and these guys can execute and play fast. That's the focus. Then a little bit later, he goes, I feel like if you get around a bunch of different, good, capable men, you empower them to do their job. And we got a bunch of really good coaches all across the board. We can we got guys in our auxiliary staff and our offense who have been coordinators for a long time. Why wouldn't you use all of those resources? So that's what I'm going to do. So I told the guys that's what we're going to do. And I talked to them about communicating with each other. It all comes back down to communicating. How can we funnel our energy to communicate with each other? to produce a better product. That's it. And that's where my main focus is going to be to make sure we're in lockstep and guys are coordinated that way. He pretty much said that there are no wholesale changes that anybody can make at this point in the season. You can't implement a new offense in week 12. I think we kind of expected that, understood that, but said that it's going to take a team. He's not really looking at this as he's the offensive coordinator and you follow his instructions and he has the best plan ever. He's kind of looking at it like, we have a pretty good offensive staff. It's time to utilize every resource we possibly have and, you know, the offensive players included and try to get something going. 
is that enough? You know, do you look at this and say, obviously, you can't make wholesale changes, but to just come together, you know, is that as good of an answer for you, at least, you know, for, for how Faulkner could kind of fix this offense? Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to be enough. I mean, this is all, this is what they've got. This is what they're working with at this point. Um, so it's going to have to be enough through the end of the season. Um, I do appreciate mm-hmm. this this kind of approach from Eddie. I mean, he's walking into pretty I would say it's a pretty difficult situation, you know. This is this is kind of a first time move for him. Mm-hmm. Um so I think relying on, you know, the rest of his staff is a good move, relying on guys who've been there. Um, you know, Eddie, for as much as he works with the entire offensive staff, you know, maybe coming up with a game plan, like he doesn't have a hand in, you know, every position group like he's probably going to now, you know. So yeah. he's gonna have to kind of gather some knowledge about what everyone else on this team has been doing over the past, you know. 12 weeks, you know, two years, whatever to, to help kind of catch him up to speed with where they are, what they like, you know, what they're good at and everything like that. So he's got a little bit of, of learning to do, especially this week, just about, you know, what he's got to work with and, and what he, what he needs to emphasize, what he needs to kind of protect against. So I think this is a great move to kind of say, look, this is a collaboration. Like we need everyone, you know, when you lose someone, especially someone kind of at the top of the food chain, uh, just in terms of the offensive coaching staff, you feel like it, it's logical to say, you know, yeah, we need everyone. We need everyone in on this, trying to trying to help us work and replace this guy. Yeah, I agree. I, I I don't think that you could. I think a lot of guys come in here, and I think, you know, to some degree, maybe that was Canada's issue is that it's hard to say, hey, look, it, we got to adjust some things. How do we do so? How do we? Who do we talk to to figure out? Hey, this is a gap. This isn't working all the way. How do we fix this instead? A lot of guys go into a position, especially a position of power like that, and just say, I have this game plan. This game plan is going to work. If it doesn't work, we continue to hammer it and things will be fine. I mean, Canada said that every single week. It was, we're just going to continue to do what we're doing and, and eventually it'll work. And it it never seemed to work. So I like that. I like how he, I mean, he mentioned two or three times during this press conference that at the end of the day, it's just about going into a week with a game plan adjusting in game as much as we can and then coming out of it going back to the lab and saying okay what do we have to tweak to make this better next week and i think that's huge like that's all you could do is you could take the product that you have and say what can we do initially to make it better and then what can we do week after week after seeing it on the field to make it as fine tune of a product as we can get by the postseason i i think that that's like the best approach is to say it's not going to get fixed this week. It's probably not going to get fixed next week. Anybody who's sitting around thinking this offense is going to be a 600-yard offense you know, right away, not going to happen. But if you could get it to a place where you're winning and fight your way into the postseason, and then it's a good enough product in the postseason, I mean, you've given yourself almost a double chance. You've improved the, your odds by 50% to win a game in the playoffs compared to what they were. Because you, know, you looked at it a week ago, and you, I mean, we'd sit around saying – yeah, they could get there, but they're not going to do well once they get into the dance. Now it's just about coming up with a formula by the time you get into the postseason where it works. And I feel like that's that's all you can do when it comes to the offense. I mean, do you do you expect do you expect changes in in game plan? You know, like you can't change the scheme, you can't ta- change the plays, but do you expect like a change in all right, the Steelers are a running football team. They have a running back coach. This is a Najee Harris, Jalen Moore, and football team here on out. Or do you kind of expect it to to still try to be a, we got to get Kenny going. We got to, you know, have a, a one-two punch at running back. Do you expect anything different along those lines? 
Yeah, I, I kind of do. I mean, I think I think they put a lot on Kenny's plate through the first, yeah. I guess, half of the season or whatever, and I don't think that's going to be the case really anymore. I, I feel like Eddie and and uh, and Mike Sullivan are going to kind of lean on what they know and what they're really comfortable with, and I feel like right yeah. now that's the running game. Well, Kenny's been a little bit of a question mark through through most of the season, so I kind of expect them to at least initially, you know, at least against Cincinnati this week, really rely on especially Jalen. I mean, Jalen only had nine carries last week like that. I don't think that's going to be the case again uh, this week. Um, so I think they're really going to lean heavily on Jalen. They'll lean heavily on Najee um, and they will try to not throw as little as possible, but I think like just try to keep things simple for Kenny as he goes through this transition as well, because I feel like it's a, it's a big thing for him too, you know, like losing your, yeah. your offensive coordinator, the only one that you've had in the NFL, like, Screech a bit of a rocky situation for him, so I feel like the more that you can take something off of his plate and you know lean on your your running backs who've been playing really well, your offensive line who's been been pretty good recently, save for maybe against Cleveland. I don't think they were great there, but you know, like those that's the stuff that's been working. So I feel like I I would really expect them to lean on that and just lean on what's what's comfortable right now, and that's the run game. Yeah, I agree. I I. I... I looked at it throughout the season and I just kind of thought, and I think I wasn't alone on this thought, like Canada knows that if Kenny works, his job is saved and he was trying so hard to save his job. And I get it. Like, you know, I, I understand that, that, that train of thought, but Faulkner's got nothing. He's got nothing to lose here. It, you know, Kenny could stink. And at the end of the season, it, if the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is phenomenal at the end of the year because Eddie Faulkner's the dude and turns this around and Kenny Pickett is still not good. The Pittsburgh Steelers won't sit around and go, well, it's Eddie Faulkner's fault. That's, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come to a realization that, you know, maybe Kenny isn't the guy. And I think that's the territory that they're in right now. And Eddie understands that his job is his sole purpose is to just win, you know, just, Hey, who, it doesn't matter how it works. We just got to win. And just like you said, Jalen Warren is, probably their best bet to have success on offense. Najee Harris is probably their second best bet, but also like dumb little passes. It just ways to get the ball into George Pickens and Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth's hands without having almost any pressure on Kenny Pickett. I don't know how you make that happen, but that is in my eyes, like that's the philosophy moving forward. That's what I would expect to happen moving forward is just like, how could we make this as simple as possible not put any stock in our quarterback and just say, let the rest of it work because the rest of the Steelers offense is pretty good. Like, you know, the offensive line struggled against Cleveland, but I would expect most offensive lines struggle against Cleveland and the running game's phenomenal. You have two star wide receivers. You have a good tight end. You have some good backup tight ends. You got, you got playmakers. Like you can make things work. So I agree. I, I look at it and just say, like, if I was going into this game, I am my, if you ask me my, expectations or my what I anticipate the offense to look like I would anticipate Jalen Warren touching the football like 15 to 20 times and then Najee touching it probably like 10 to 15 times and then Kenny throwing the football like maybe 15 times maybe 15 times and they're all like easy little completions to George and Deontay and to Pat and everybody else but I would expect this to be like such a run heavy game it's crazy which is what the Pittsburgh Steelers should do like offenses succeed that way and they should try to succeed that way and don't do anything crazy but i think that that's that is that is the way to go do you expect some you know he kind of talked and he said this he he said that on game day he's he's pretty much going to stay out of mike sullivan's ear like 
it's it's you know he's going to call the plays. He understands how difficult that is. He's going to let that rock. Do you do you expect that to to maybe like cause some confusion or or maybe some hiccups or do you think it's going to flow fine? Like, can you have an offensive coordinator Monday through Friday and then on Sunday just hand the reins to a guy and say, "All right, here's the game plan. Go call it. I'll just be chilling." I think so. Honestly, I think that's better than the alternative. Like, I think on game day you need smoother operation. You need, I don't know, less like fewer cooks in the kitchen. Like, yeah, having you know to have a play caller on the sideline and then someone in his ear going like, "Well, I think you should call this," and then I think, <laughs> "Well, I think you should call this." Well, that wasn't yeah. a very good call. Like, you know, or I wouldn't have done that. Like, I think you need to have kind of one voice speaking uh, during game day, whereas in practice, you know, it's maybe easier to have multiple guys given input and multiple guys, you know, there to work things out. Game day is a completely different animal where I think having too many guys communicating could be, could be troublesome, you know, and I'm sure they'll like going in halftime and, and chat with each other and like, you know, have a conversation about what they need to do. But I think while they're actually on the field and while Mike's actually calling plays, it's probably best just to have one voice speaking from, from that, from that area, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of agree. Like, you know, it's that you only got 25 seconds. You got to make things happen fast. You got to communicate quick. Like I, I would imagine that there's like a, I would imagine the script is much longer than, than typical or than normal. And I would imagine at the end of every quarter, or maybe the end of every drive, like Faulkner's in there, they're, they're talking about what's next instead of one guy standing. Like it was Matt Canada, like 15 yards behind everybody, just like going through it by himself. I would imagine those two get together and say, these are the adjustments we got to make. Let's do this. I also think that that's it's a what's good about that is Sullivan, you know, like Sullivan allows it to flow without, you know, added pressure. It's like, yeah, I'm not the OC. I'm just I'm just calling the place, you know, like I'm just I'm just in here following the game plan mm-hmm. and Faulkner's come up with this game plan. And I think that that takes a, a lot of pressure off of the guy calling place, which I think helps. Like, I, I think the best thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers is to just go back to like what I said before remove any remove any expectation remove any i don't know like any any notion that you have to do this or you have to do that it should just be just go out there and call a game and, and try to win it and i think that sullivan has literally nothing relying on like sullivan's not losing his job if he's not the greatest play caller in the world these last seven games he's still the quarterback's coach next season faulkner's still the running back's coach next season and if they could just you know take as much pressure away from those two as possible. I think that I agree. I think that's the, uh, that's the best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I got to say Faulkner brought a ton of juice to this press conference. I was pretty hyped about it. If you haven't checked it out, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it pretty much anywhere that you just type in Eddie Faulkner. I'm a big Eddie Faulkner guy, been a bit a big Eddie Faulkner guy. Like this dude, just everywhere you go, he's got a smile on his face and he's kind of yelling and making jokes. And that's just, that's the type of energy the Pittsburgh Steelers need. So if I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'd be, rather excited for uh at least just the the energy component of what what Faulkner could bring to this team let's transition into the Pittsburgh Steelers defense there is a name floating around in free agency the last two days that name is Shaquille Leonard he was released by the Indianapolis Colts passed through waivers he's now officially a free agent the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles according to betkentucky.com I don't know how often everybody visits betkentucky.com but they are the odds on favorite to land Shaq Leonard four-time all pro first four years in the league, former defensive player or defensive rookie of the year 
had two back surgeries last year. This year he started all nine games. He's got 60 plus tackles, but just isn't isn't doing what the uh, Colts have wanted him to do since coming back from those surgeries. They decide to wave him, go in a different direction. I mean, the Steelers need an inside linebacker. They have brought in everybody and anybody that they possibly can this week. They signed Blake Martinez off the Panthers practice squad. They added Miles Jack, who did you? Uh, I don't know if you caught this this week. I barely caught it. Miles Jack was a pilot before he was showing up here and helping out with a hockey team in Jacksonville like that's And then he got the phone call and he was like, yeah, you know what? I'll go play football again. Yeah, he said he was uh, he was like working with the minor league hockey team. I yeah, I think he might have said that he owned it. Like he owns it. He's, he's got minor, it. he's got ownership in it. I don't know how much, but he's got that's some ownership crazy. in it. Yeah, I would have never. I mean, I can't say I know that much about Miles Jack as a person, but I would have never guessed, you know, minor league hockey enthusiast that that Dude, didn't ever cross the, my mind. The guy's got everything. He's a, he could he could be a plumber, an electrician. He could fly you places, and he could probably you know talk some hockey if you need him to talk some hockey. Miles Jack, man, Jack of all trades, you know, yeah. pun intended. Um, but he's here. He's with the fifty. Or he's with the practice squad, according to. Uh, Diana Rossini, I believe, maybe Josina Anderson. I don't remember who reported it. That the Steelers have an expectation that once he's in football shape, he will join the 53 man roster. So they're trying as hard as possible to add some veterans and fill the gap left from Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb. Do they continue to do it? Can they? Should they add Shaq Leonard for the end of the season? You know, with the expectation that it's an affordable deal for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right, yeah, I think as long as it's affordable, as long as it's not a ridiculous contract, I think this is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, getting yeah. someone with experience in there, a guy who has been able to cover at some point in his career. I mean, I like like you said, on a reasonable contract, I mean, this is a guy who has a pretty versatile skill set. I know he's not making the kind of splash plays this year as he has at other points in his career, but there's still mm-hmm. some talent there, I'd have to believe. Um, he still at least seems reliable you know if yeah. not if he's not making you know tons of big splash plays he's at least you know making a ton of tackles seems like he's in the right spot most of the time so uh, i i think this is this would be a good move i mean uh, the steelers are in no position to be shooing away linebackers especially ones that have this no. kind of pedigree and this kind of talent so why not i mean it can't it certainly can't hurt you right like it's it's i mean like you said with the qualifier that it's a a decent contract there's there's kind of no downside to to adding a guy like this because the Steelers really don't have a downside to adding anyone at this point yeah that's I kind of agree like Blake Martinez and Miles Jack do not move the needle for me if you want to bring in another guy like what's the difference you know Shaq Leonard doesn't work out and the guy is on a downward hill and his his career his all-pro career only lasted four seasons that stinks I you know I hope that that's not the case for him but who cares? Like, what is the difference between bringing in Miles Jack off of, you know, hanging out in the bleachers of a minor league hockey game or Blake Martinez off the practice squad of the worst team in the NFL? I just don't I just don't see the difference. Like Shaq Leonard is a guy who's got some upside. Maybe he works out. Maybe he doesn't. But that's how the Steelers have, have formulated this inside linebacker room. They signed a Landon Roberts who was never like the biggest name anywhere he was. And he seemingly worked out. Quan Alexander was definitely a risk. This guy has been through injuries before. He's at one point was, you know, a star inside linebacker. His sense kind of became a question mark. He worked out for them. And Cole Holcomb was the same way, like coming off a massive injury. Nobody knew what was going to happen. They sign him and he works out like, why not do it again with Shaq Leonard? 
And I think it'd be easy for them. Like if the Philadelphia Eagles call, I mean, that's, that's tough to turn down, but it's not like the Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting around a team that's out of the playoff race. Like there's no reason to come to Pittsburgh. I think anybody who would want to play for Mike Tomlin, who I, I don't know if you saw the athletics poll the other day that Tomlin is still the, the coach most guys in the NFL want to, although they only, I think they interviewed like, or they tallied like 72 players or something. I was like, that's like a quarter of the NFL. Um, but he's still the guy that, you know, coaches are that players want to play for the most. Like Tomlin calls you and says, Hey, look, we're six and four. We're making a playoff push. This is a great defense. We need you right now. I don't see how he doesn't want to come to Pittsburgh outside of Philly, you know, like Philly's Philly's Philly. Philly yeah. Philly's tough. But like, I mean, I don't know. This is still a team in, yeah. in playoff position. I don't know. It's not, uh, I, yeah, I guess it is a pretty big difference, but I don't think it's as big, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and like he would get a chance to play like right away. Like this would, I don't know. It seems like, I don't know what the Eagles depth linebacker depth chart looks like, but I feel like he could have either. kind of a, a bigger impact in Pittsburgh maybe than, than in Philly. Yeah. And, and he's working with guys like Landon Roberts is a solid inside linebacker, the defense as a whole. I mean, like you get to come in and you get to play with TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Patrick Peterson, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Like those are some decent names to be like, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll add me to the list. You know, like that's, that sounds good. I feel like, and then again, like the Mike Tomlin factor is always there. I feel like if Mike Tomlin calls you, it's different than if most coaches call you, you know, and say like, Hey, you want to come play for me? Like Mike Tomlin calls you like, Oh, damn, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. You know? So I, I think it makes sense for both sides. I, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, you certainly call, like, there's no way you just let him chill and say like bare minimum, you're getting a price tag. You're saying, Hey, what's, what are you looking for? What kind of contract do you, are you offering? Or are you looking to get offered? This is what we're looking at. I'd say like maybe a one-year deal, see what happens. And then in the offseason, if it works out, you sign them to a longer extension. I mean, I think it makes a, a ton of sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see what happens, but it's certainly yes. Like it's it's probably the easiest yes they could come across right now outside of like, you know, if like Jalen Ramsey hit the market and they're like, oh, damn, should we sign a corner? Yeah, probably. The answer is yeah. Most certainly, yes. Yeah, Shaq Leonard makes a lot of sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, we'll see what happens. I would expect a move, if not this weekend, like uh, some news to like pop up where it's like, oh, he expects to sign here. I would not rule the Pittsburgh Steelers out even with the moves of Miles Jack and Blake Martinez. All right, last thing we want to talk about before we uh, head out here. It's week 12. The Pittsburgh Steelers are traveling to the Cincinnati, taking on the Bengals, a Joe Burrow-less Bengals, a massive game for the Steelers shot at the AFC North and really for their playoff hopes as a whole. It's Jake Browning. It is a banged up defense for the Cincinnati Bengals. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, new offensive coordinator, Eddie Faulkner is going to lead everybody out there. What is your key to victory for this week 12 matchup? Well, I think it's something that we kind of touched on earlier and it's, it's lean on what's comfortable, lean on what you're good yeah. at in the offense. Um, and that's running the football. I mean, the the Bengals, and I did not know this before I looked it up, but they are the 31st ranked rushing defense, uh, like as far as, far as yards allowed uh, in wow. the NFL. Like I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I thought they had a ton of talent there that would have been able to shore that up. But the you're good at running the football. The Bengals aren't good at stopping it. Seems like a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple formula there. Um, doesn't take a genius to figure that out. So just lean on Jalen Warren. He's hot. He has to get more than nine carries, man. And I think yes. he only got like three receptions maybe if that many uh against cleveland like he's got to touch the ball more he's just gotta like there's no no two ways about it so 
feed Jalen Warren, uh, let Najee finish off some hard runs. Like that's, that's something he, it's not like you have to take him completely out of the game plan either, but run the ball, exploit this team for, uh, exploit what your opponent doesn't do well and, and just capitalize on what you do well and, and make everything comfortable for everyone as they go through this transition with Matt Canada going out and Eddie Faulkner coming in. Just keep it simple, run the football, come out with a win. Yep. Yep. And uh, one of those passes for Jalen Warren was that screen that yeah. didn't have any chance. So really it was two, it was two, yep. uh, it was two receptions there. Yeah, I I agree. Like, just to add on to that, I think for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be successful on offense, it's just take this out of Kenny Pickett's hands. Don't don't make this a fourth quarter game that Kenny's got to win. Try to put it away early and just gain momentum. Like, control the clock. Control the clock as an offense. Everybody talks about, oh, a quarterback has to be a game manager. Your offense as a whole could be a game manager. You know, you could you could control the clock by running the football and and throwing shorter passes and just working the sticks the first three quarters of the game and trying to build a lead while you're doing so, and then allow the Steelers defense to do what it does best. And that's to just hold teams to under 20 points. Like if you could, if you could go out and score, it doesn't have to be a score fast, but if you could score early in the game and then you could score again on your second drive, and that takes up a decent chunk of clock there, you got 14 points on the board and you're, you now, you know, the defense is just expected to keep a team under two touchdowns. Like, that's so realistic for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it has been so impossible to do to this point because they're just trying so many crazy things to try and get points on the board and work fast and do this and do that. Just do what you do best, and that's run the football, just like you said. Give it to Jalen Warren as much as you possibly can. Allow Najee Harris to, to help out as well as that one-two punch. Take the game out of Kenny Pickett's hands. Don't even put it in them. Just just tell them, Hey, you're part of this offense. You know, your job is to get the ball into George Pickens and Deontay Johnson's hands. It's not to win this football game. It's not to, to manage the clock. It is just to go out there and throw a football where we tell you to throw a football, allow everybody else to do their job and to do it well. And I think that you, you give yourself a good shot. Like even if you don't put up 30 points, I still think you give yourself a really good opportunity to walk away from this game with three touchdowns and, and a victory And that's all you're looking for, you know, like Patrick Peterson was on his podcast. I caught this the other day on Twitter and Brian McFadden said something like, uh, you know, if you guys score over 20 points and Pat P was like, oh man, 20 points, that would be great. And I was just like, it's (laughs) it's all they need. Like that's all that the everybody on defense knows that the Steelers offense just needs to score 20 points and they'll be fine. They, They don't have to do that in their first three drives. They just have to do it throughout the ball game and take as much time off the clock as possible to make things, you know, like if you, if you give Jake Browning minimal time to win this football game, the Bengals odds of winning go drastically down. So I think that's it. Manage the clock as an offense, not as a quarterback. And uh, like you said, give the ball to the guys that are working. That starts with uh, that starts with Jalen Warren. All right. We were, uh, we were real off last week. Although (laughs) Nick, Nick had the score, right? It was just backwards. 13 to 10. He had Steelers. It was uh it shouldn't have been that sloppy, but but it was. Cincinnati's a whole other animal. They're dealing with some injuries. Just like you said, their run defense is a little beat up and it's not looking the greatest. Joe Burrow's out, but a rookie quarterback last week couldn't stop the uh or couldn't help the Pittsburgh Steelers. So maybe it does this week. We know who knows. New offensive coordinator. I mean, you got a score prediction for week twelve, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I'm going I'm picking a Steelers win again. Uh twenty to sixteen, I think. I think Jake Browning will have enough weapons to like get within field goal range a few times. Maybe they score a touchdown, okay. like 
Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are just too good. Like you can throw it up to them and they'll make plays. Um, but I also think the Steelers are going to be able to exploit the fact that they can run the ball and they're going to score a couple touchdowns. They're going to have a more productive day offensively. We're, we're going to walk away feeling pretty good about the direction of the offense and, and the Steelers, the win, and they, they get back to their winning ways and they're right back into the thick of the, of the playoff hunt. 20 to 16. I, I kind of like that. Like 20 points is a good, you know, not blowing the roof off right. with this but new it's offense. Ambitious. It's a, you know, it's, it, it would be points is very ambitious for the Steelers offense. If they walked away with 20 points, I feel like we'd, we'd all be real happy. We'd all think that like, this is the, this is the answer. Eddie Faulkner is the guy, you know, this is, yeah, this yeah, is what yeah. they should do forever. Yeah. I look at it. You're not wrong. You're, you're, if they score 20 points. That's a huge that is a W for the offense. You know, no matter how they put it on the board, that's a W for the offense. I'm going to go I'm going to go a little crazier here, okay? I'm going to go I'm going to go 24 because I'm saying they score three touchdowns in this one. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> three American touchdowns. Wow. That's... Three American touchdowns on this Sunday for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Three touchdowns and then Chris Boswell kicks field cuz he can't, you know, I Hey, Chris Bos- There's part of me that, yeah, Chris Boswell's on my fantasy team, so I need him to score at least one field goal in this game. But Boswell's always good for one. So I'm saying 24, 24 to, I like the 16, 24, 16. This is a win for the Steelers. It's not like, I don't think this is like a big blowout. Like, I don't think this is anything crazy. I think it's simply the Steelers run the football and their running backs or whoever else find the end zone three times. And that's like, you know, that's the, that's it. Like they just found momentum and they kept that momentum. They didn't do anything stupid to screw it up like they've done in the past. And they just build off of it and they let it rock. Cause we've yet to see what a Steelers offense does when Jalen Warren starts bursting out 76 yard runs. And then you continue to give the ball to Jalen Warren. Like we've never, we haven't seen that one time this season. I would expect that to happen this year or this week. I'm going 24, 16. That seems super crazy ambitious, but you know, this is this is the new OC game. So I'm feeling uh I'm feeling good about it. Pittsburgh Steelers win. We'll see what happens. Let's hope for a uh, you know, just like they say, the new OC game is always is always a good one for the team that just fired their coach. I don't think there's gonna be cigars like there was in Vegas, <laughs> but I would expect a little bit a uh, little bit of added juice in this one. We'll see what happens. The Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday, a huge matchup. For the AFC North and the Pittsburgh Steelers playoff odds as a whole, me and Steven got wins. We'll see what happens. For everybody else, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts and check out all of our work at allsteelers.com and our pit coverage at insidethepanthers.com. We will be back on Monday. Enjoy another beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.